time. This season, as a praise team, we prayed for Pastor Shindy last night. And uh, and as a church, we prayed for him that uh, God would just open his tongue in our ears. Um, I'm glad I'm not trying to speak in Hindu or <laughs> one of your languages. It would, it would, God would really need to work a miracle indeed. So, But he worked a miracle last night, and I, I heard clearly from him, and I heard clearly from you. So thank you for that, and thanks to our great God for the way that he's worked. Um, I learned something last night. I was, uh, you talked about how Enoch walked with God for 300 years, and I always just, you know, Enoch walked with God, and he was not. For God took him, and I was like, well, what did he do for the other point in time? And uh, let's read it tonight. So read with me tonight. Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And I thought, what if I live for 70 years? Would my this same concept read in my case? Isaiah lived for 46 years and then walked with God for 24 what would it look like? And just the challenge, the personal challenge to not just live, but to walk with God. How different that would be. Let's pray tonight. God, we're thankful for you answering our prayers last night. And we've prayed tonight for you to speak to us again through Pastor Edward. And we know that you're faithful and that you will answer that. And Lord, as we look back at the life of Enoch and What an amazing thing that he walked with you for 300 years. We don't know what those first 65 look like, but something changed. And Lord, for each of us here, I ask that wherever we're at, that uh, something would change tonight. That those final closing chapters of our life would read that um, there was a point where we went from just living to walking with you. If that point hasn't happened already, may it be tonight. Teach us, teach us to abide. Let's sing this prayer together. Spirit 
Oh 
Well, good evening, everybody. Glad you're here again tonight. Um, the last few services we've had times for Pastor Shinde or Pastor Edward, Hallie shared uh, Sunday morning, just some about their ministries, and, and tonight we're just going to take a time and pray during this time. Um, some specific things, simple things, like for Pastor Shinde and Pastor Edward and Brian and Hallie, uh, as they as they finish up what they're doing here, all of them in the States, and then return home uh, back to their ministries, we want to pray for them, uh, pray for faithfulness, pray for wisdom, uh, pray for humility and grace and perseverance in the ministry and for their churches uh, where they're serving. So let's make sure we do that. But I also want us to, to make sure we pray for God to do a work, right? Um, missions conferences are never just about coming and hearing some messages. The messages are prayerfully given by God to help us continue to grow to be the people that God's called us to be. So I want us to pray about that, you know, to have, to have that love for God and that love for people that, that truly does just cause the gospel to blossom in us and from us, right? To do ministry wherever God sends us, but also to, to seek God for new ministries and new opportunities and new places of service. And so, you know, we want to, we don't, we definitely do not want to make missions normal. Missions and serving Christ is not something that we should find, um, what would I say, uh, uninspiring, right? Missions, we should have a passion for serving Christ. That's what we should be praying about. So let's, let's take some time, you guys. If you want to pray out loud, pray out loud. It'll just take a few minutes, but pray out loud. It, it'd be okay. And if you're worried about somebody noticing you, they won't because they're going to be praying. So pray out loud and nobody will mind. And then I'll close this in a minute, all right? Lord, I'm, I'm so thankful for you that your loving kindnesses never cease. 
Your compassions, mercies are new every morning. Great, Lord God, is your faithfulness. In every way, in every circumstance, to each one of us, you're faithful. Lord, we've been been talking about being faithful. I pray, Lord Jesus, that because you are faithful, you will cause us, through your Spirit, to be faithful. Faithful to love. Faithful to walk together. Faithful to serve. Faithful to share the gospel. Faithful to minister to people in their needs and where they are. Faithful, Lord God, in the midst of opposition or persecution or trials or sufferings. I pray you would make us faithful, Lord God, with joy, with thanksgiving, in appreciation, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Lord God, let us never forget what you've done for us through the gift of your son, through the through the cross, his death on it for us, Lord God, through his resurrection, Lord, such hope, such security, such amazing grace and love has been poured out into our lives. And Lord, we've been given much. And your word says, since we've received much, we, we should give much. Lord God, much is expected of us from what you've done. And we should delight in that expectation. So I pray that you do that in our lives. And I certainly pray for Pastor Shinde and for Pastor Edward and for Pastor Brian. Lord, I, I pray for Pastor Max, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Rick. I pray for my brother, Pastor Jason, who's here tonight. What a gift it is to see him and to know him. I pray, Lord, for these men that you've called out and set apart in special ways, that, Father, you would continue to fill them with just the joy of your call and the love of the ministry and the strength to persevere and the humility, Lord God, to give their lives away the humility, Lord God, to to take whatever criticisms or hardships or misunderstandings and to trust you with them all. I pray for the churches, Lord God, that are represented here tonight, that, Lord God, you would strengthen those churches. Lord, the believers in India are suffering in many different ways. And there's great persecution. The persecution is rising. Lord, would you please let them be a testimony. Protect them according to your will. But Lord, let them be willing to give. Be willing to rejoice in their sufferings and persecution. And let them be a testimony to those who so desperately need it, even those who persecute them, Lord. But let that be true Pastor Edward and the church in Kokolo and the church in Chantete and the church in Camila Lee that, Lord, are all sewn together and growing together. And let that be true, Lord God, of Pastor Emmanuel and Pastor Royce. And let that be true, Lord, of 
of all the other pastors in Maharashtra and all across India. Let that be true, Lord. Let us persevere and continue to serve and continue to lead and continue to, to share the gospel. Let that be true here at College Heights and true at South Hills Baptist Fellowship in Helena, Montana, Lord, just all over our nation. Lord, <clears throat> there's some things that are, that are easy to say, but they're too big for us to do. All these things are too much for us to do without you. And so we need you, Lord. Lord, I know even just in the city of Casper, places we spoke of this morning, like the college that's so, so, so close to us, so much needs the gospel. Show us, Lord, how you would use us in that ministry. Show us, Lord, the hospital and among the health care uh, people of our community so much need the gospel our public schools so much need the gospel places like WBI places like the police department the fire department Lord the mental health services and Lord I, I'm not even scratching the surface of the places that need the gospel in Casper pray, Lord Jesus, that you give us the grace to be churches that shine as lights on the hillside, Lord God, that people can see it everywhere they look, because, Lord, this world is dark, and it's broken, and it's full of sin, and the answer to sin is salvation, redemption, a changed heart, Lord God, a new mind. So, Lord, help us have the understanding that it's not, it's not the flesh that we need to be most committed to, Father. It's the Spirit, the work of your sweet Spirit in this community. So, Lord, let us be about that. Let us not walk in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Let us not think in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Let us not speak or serve or act or give in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Let us be a people, Lord, that bring glory and honor to you, knowing, Lord Jesus, that our reward is great in heaven, that we're just passing through this world. Let us live like we're passing through and that we're not afraid, Lord God, of whatever comes our way, even suffering, because, Lord, the, the present sufferings, they, <laughs> they're nothing compared to the glories of the eternal life in your presence. So let us not be distracted Let's not be afraid. Let's be faithful. Lord, these that have come to speak this week have been faithful, sacrificial, to be with us. Thank you for them. We give an offering tonight to them through you for their families, for their ministries, for your glory. Please bless each one as we give tonight. Bless those that have given already. And please use these offerings for your glory. And Lord, we love you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have the guys come forward and take this offering.
this next song and the chorus says uh, all your promises are yes and amen so be thinking about some of your favorite promises of God the Bible's chock full of them so. Father of kindness you have poured out grace you brought me up darkness you have filled me with peace giver of mercy some of those promises in your mind just shout them out so what's a promise that God's laid on you shout it out declare it to the rest of us take my earbuds out so I can hear go ahead yes what's another one what's another faithful promise of God amen it's another one Someone else. Amen. He promises to never leave us. Go ahead. Yeah, shout it out, young man. Couldn't hear that. Someone. Amen. Anyone else? Go ahead, Pastor. Close us out in this time.
rest in these promises. And I will rest in your promises, my confidence is your faithfulness. And I will rest in your promises, my to talk to JC and then I realized that my mic is on. <laughs> Thank you very much. Truly, we are familiar with the faithfulness of God and we have experienced His faithfulness in our lives and we can testify of His faithfulness every day. We have been blessed for the past three days with the word of the Lord that has really reminded us of the faithfulness of God as well as our need to be faithful. I am greatly honored to spend time with you people from College Heights and open God's word and be encouraged in the same way The word of God encourages everyone. And I think as we come to the close of the mission conference, I hope it it won't be the close of thinking about our commitment to taking the gospel forward, our commitment in being involved in the lives of the people that the Lord brings to us that we will build on what the Lord has brought to our attention these past three days. I want us to focus really on God's perspective of our faithfulness, actually understanding what God means when he calls us to be faithful to him. I do know that Like I've said, that every one of us 
are pretty sure of what it means when we say God is faithful. We know that he is faithful because he provides for our needs, he protects us, he guides us, and he leads us through this life. But do we understand what it means when God is calling us to be faithful to him? Do we really understand? I do not want you to give me your opinion. But I want us to really look at his view of faithfulness when it relates to us and our relationship with him. Yesterday, Brother Praveen called us to be faithful to the Lord. But do we understand how that looks like? And I want us really, as we go through the seven to help us really have this godly perspective of God's view of his call on our lives to be faithful. And I'm going to use a biblical character to help us iron out a few things in our understanding of what God means when he calls us to be faithful. It's a very common story that we know probably if we've spent our lives in church from Sunday school, we know this story from, uh, from the Bible. It is a story about Israel's first king, King Saul. And I really thought of picking this biblical character because he shares something familiar with us. He was given a commission by Yahweh. In the same way, you and I have been given a commission by Yahweh. And then from this biblical character, I think we're going to be helped to understand what God means when he calls us to be faithful. In the first four verses, we notice that King Saul is being given a commission. We can read together First Samuel chapter 15, verse 1 and 4. We see that he's been given a commission. And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people. Israel. Now therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them. But kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. And you can see the basis of this commission is because of what God has done for him. He say, God is coming to King Saul and saying, look how graciously I have dealt with you. I am the person who anointed you to be king. I have put you in the place you are in right now. 
you are privileged because of my working. Is it not the same thing with us? We are God's sons and daughters because of what he has done for us. We are what we are because of his grace. And you see, when it comes to King Saul saying, look, I am the one who has made you to be what you are. And I have this responsibility for you. Go and do something that I have already planned. I knew what Amalek did. And you are going to be my emissary. You're going to be my messenger. You're going to be my instrument to discharge my will. So in the same way, we the people that have been saved by grace have been given a commission to go out and make disciples. To be the light in this world. To be people that are full of good works. People who are as a sort of our community. Influencing everyone around us. For the sake of his name. So we see that King Saul is being given this commission. And his duty was to destroy the enemies of God. And then we see that in verse 4, he prepares himself for the mission. And something that is really very interesting in verse 5 and 6 is that King Saul knows his target. Because when he starts off to engage the Amalekites and bring God's judgment upon their lives, he tells the Kenites who were living within the Amalekites. And he says this, and so came, in verse 5, to the city of Amalek, and they wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, go, depart, go down from the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. You see, Saul knew his target. And we also have been given a target. I wonder whether we know our target. Because our target in our commission is the whole world. Like Saul was say, saying to the Kenites, not you. My commission is not to you, but to the Amalekites. But for us, we have no choice. The gospel has to reach every place and every people group. The gospel has to be shared even with the worst individual in our neighborhood. 
we have no right to segregate. It's a power unto salvation for everyone who believes. I hope we do understand who our target is. So we see that he knew his target well. And then when we progress, we see this man discharging God's commission from verse 7. We're seeking so discharging God's commission. First Samuel chapter 15, if you're there with me, verse 7. King Saul discharging God's commission. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Avala as far as Shah, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of a sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves, and the lambs. And all that was good, and would not, be utterly would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to what? Destruction. And the question is, as King Saul discharged the commission. Has he done what God wanted him to do? And probably whenever we are reading this story, we always marvel at this man and say, how can this man think this way? He was given straight, clear instructions. The commission was clear. Destroy everything. Spare nothing. And here we are seeing that he is sparing Agag and the best things. So we can all agree that the man has not discharged the commission. But let's notice how he views his actions. For us, when we are reading, we are saying, hey, he has not done what he was asked to do. But what about himself? How does he view his actions? Look at verse 10. And the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I made so king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. That's God's perspective. He's looking at what Saul has done. And Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. But look at Saul. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel. And behold, he set up a what? monument for himself. So, he's excited. He feels he has done some great achievement. 
that should be what? Remembered. He sets up a monument. You see, we set up monuments because we want to remember people who have done something what? Great. When God is mourning, regretting about the action of his emissary, when God is looking at Saul, he's saying he has not fully done what I commissioned him to do. Saul is celebrating. He is so excited. And you see, this word is used in this way. It's a Hebrew word, yada, which in most cases would mean a hand or what. But it's used in this way to mean monument four times. One this at this particular moment, and the other time in Second Kings 18, verse 18, when Absalom is saying, I will set up a monument because I have no, no son. So if people will remember me, I should set up something that will cause people to remember me. And in a powerful way, I love how this word is used in Isaiah. In Isaiah 56, when God is talking of how he's going to work among his people and he's going to give them an everlasting name that shall never be what? Cut off. So you see, what Saul is doing is excited. He wants people to remember that he has done something great. And you see, the other thing that we we want to notice about Saul is that look at what he calls what he has done. He's excited about it. But why is he excited? Because when Samuel is coming to him in verse 8, 13, and Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. You be blessed by the Lord. So you can see King Saul is excited. I have what? Performed the commandment of what? The Lord. I have lived in obedience to the Lord. And probably Samuel was saying, what is wrong with this man? Is he thinking straight? Because remember, Samuel spent the whole night crying and weeping. He was so sorry for this man. But yet he finds this man excited that he has done the commandments of what? Yahweh. But let's pause. Before we so much laugh at this man, King Saul, let us look at our lives. And I want us to really evaluate ourselves as we answer this question, are we doing everything that God has commanded us to do? Are we 
as believers living out the truth revealed to us in the scriptures. Oh, like King Saul, we are only picking a few things here and there, here and there, and we are jumping, having this victory dance, and saying we are faithful. Is it our idea of faithfulness? You see, this man, he's saying, I have faithfully obeyed what? Yahweh. But when you're reading, you're saying, no, no, no. But if we are not careful, we may be in the shoes of this man that we always feel pity for. We may find ourselves that we are making those victory dances on the little things that we only do and neglect the other things. And yet we call ourselves as faithful servants of Yahweh. It's easy to look at King Saul and laugh at him. But what about ourselves? Because sometimes you see a person will just be comfortable with just coming to church. Oh yes, I'm a believer. I attend services every Sunday. What, are you, what do you do in church? Oh no, no, there are people to do that. I have been in this church for 30 years, faithfully going. Are you? What about those words from the Bible? that talk about finding ways of encouraging other believers. The one another passages. How are you investing your life in the lives of other believers? How are you being a witness to the Lord? Because if you remember the purpose we've been given the Holy Spirit, remember what Acts 1 verse 8 says. It's for the purpose that we will be enabled to be witnesses of the what? The Lord. Standing, enduring persecutions. Because we cannot do it on our own strength. But you see, we can laugh at this man. But yet, in the same way, we are doing the very same things. And yet, in the same way, calling ourselves to be what? Faithful. And you can see how confused he was. Because even when Samuel confronted him and says, what about the bleating that I hear? He is not just saying, I have faithfully discharged the commission of the Lord once, but twice. Even when Samuel is saying, look, so, what about this? The noise of the sheep. Because Samuel remembered very well that he was supposed to destroy everything. 
But you see in verse 20 of chapter 15, adamantly, adamantly, and said, so said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. Can you hear this man speaking? He is arguing that he's faithful. He has faithfully discharged God's commission. And it's so sad. And probably, maybe that's the same way with us. When we are challenged to be fully faithful to the Lord, we continue to argue that we are faithful. But what really messed up King Saul What is it that really messed him up? To think he was faithful. To think he had faithfully discharged the commission that God had given to him. What really messed him up? Verse 21. It tells us, but the people. The people. You see, Saul knew exactly what God expected him to do. Probably when they went there, they started destroying everything among the Amalekites. The people said, so you've done enough. This is enough damage. The people of what? Amalekite have submitted They are defeated. We've killed everyone. Should we destroy even these nice things? So, don't think you can only honor God by destroying things. You can also honor him by what? Keeping things and giving giving them to him as what? Sacrifice. The people. And in most cases... We are messed up by the people around us. Sometimes it's the nice words. Like the words Pastor Mike has been saying about us. Pastor Praveen, the faithful men, the faithful men. Sometimes we think, oh, I've arrived. I am faithful. I, I'm not supposed to do anything more. I have arrived. I am the faithful one. You see? Sometimes the words of a people can mess us up and think we have arrived. And probably that's what we think. You see, you can ask everyone at college, like, I am the one who do this, I'm the one who do this, I'm the faithful one. Are you? Oh, if I were to leave college heights, people will miss me there. There will be a gap. (laughs) 
Because probably when you do something, brothers or sisters are encouraging you, well done, well done, well done. And sometimes that gets to our what? Our heads and messes up, messes us up. My prayer is that we do not allow the praises of men or the words of men to make us think we are faithful. Because there's a standard. God has an understanding of what it means for us to be faithful to him. And sometimes people say bad things and we get discouraged. So you see, for, for King Saul, it's the people. They told him, let's spare this. Let's, we've done enough. Sometimes people will tell you, no, are you, are you the only one? Leave the work for others. You've done a lot. Can we do a lot for the Lord? Can we measure up to what the Lord has done for us? Can we outdo the things the Lord do for us? And sometimes we tend to think that. You've done a lot. Give chance to others. And then we're seeing that this biblical character we're looking at, he had a wrong view of faithfulness. He was confused. I hope this is not our view of faithfulness. God rejects this understanding of faithfulness. Because as we continue to read this passage, we find that God is saying, I have rejected what? So, this is not what I mean when I put people, I call them to do things for me. This is not what I mean. This is not the faithfulness I want. Then God, what do you mean when you call us to be faithful? What do you mean? I think it is seen in understanding what God means when he calls us to be faithful. It is seen in the neighbor now that, that, that replaces what? So. Because he mentions something. Samuel mentions something in verse 22. And he says this. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as as in obeying the voice of the Lord? And then Samuel is making this thing very clear to him. That God delights in obedience. But how does this obedience look like? Because Saul was saying I've obeyed, right? And there are many of us who are confused that probably we are obedient. 
How does this obedience look like? Because we see that God is rejecting the obedience of Saul. He's saying, no, that's not it. And then he turns to the neighbor. In chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, he comes to Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, how long would you grieve over Saul? Since I've rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among you is what? His sons. And then what does he say about this king he has provided for himself? Look with me in Acts chapter 13 verse 22. Because I think this history has been recounted to see why God went for David. And then it's going to help us understand what it means to obey what? The Lord. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. And I read. When he had removed him, Saul, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David the son of Jesse, a man after my heart. Look what follows. Who will do all who will do what? All my will. Not half. Not some of it. Who will do all my will. And when you look at David, we're going to say he was not a perfect man like we are. But God saw in him his heart to do all of his will. David knew one thing, that God is not delighted in burnt offerings. But something that God will not despise is a broken and contrite what? Heart. It's a heart that is right there at the foot of God's throne saying, Do unto me according to your will. And... So we can see that faithfulness that God requires from us is that which obeys his will regardless of the consequences. It's not that which selects what we will do for the Lord. It's like whatever God you've said, I will do, regardless of the consequences. Faithfulness to our God means that we surrender to all His will. 
And where else do we get this concept? From the teachings of Jesus. Because Jesus is saying, whoever wants to come after me must deny himself, take up the cross and what? Follow me. It's surrendering to the will of God. And then also, we see this concept of faithfulness, not only from the teachings of the Lord Jesus, even from the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. We remember in the garden of Gethsemane, right? Right there. How does the Lord pray? Even in that darkest moment of his life, he's there saying, not what I will, but your will be what? Be done. It's a surrender to all the will of God. And we see this concept also in the life of the Apostle Paul. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, look at what Paul says. As he's following the Lord, he makes this statement about his relationship with the Lord. He says this, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not about me. And then when you find believers who are saying, no, 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 I need to leave something for myself. I need to leave time for myself. Do you really have time for yourself? We exist because God is. Without him, we are nothing. And that's a concept, Paul is saying. For me, as a believer... I live to do all of God's will. For me to live is crushed and to die is gain. You see, what God means when he calls us to be faithful is that we need to do his will regardless of the costs. And what is God's will? The will of the Lord is revealed in scripture for us. So sometimes we may have this wrong view like King Saul of thinking that we are faithful just because we are doing one aspect of what God expects from us. Yet we are neglecting all the other things. You see, that's not being faithful. We know our God is faithful. But we also ought to be faithful. It's what brings joy before our Savior 
and our God. When we faithfully live our lives for Him. My question is what kind of faithfulness are you having as you look at your life? What kind of faithfulness are you having? Are you having the faithfulness of King Saul? Because you have done some things you've become content that you are faithful? Or are you having the faithfulness that God requires of his people? You are a person who have said, do unto me according to your will. I will do everything you require of me. And you see, doing God's will, we want to do it in a at the same level, he knows our capabilities. Uh, but what is required of every believer is being involved in everything that God wants us to be involved in. Be involved in praying. Be involved in encouraging other believers. Be involved in sharing the gospel, wherever you are, because it's expected of every child of God. Be involved in giving. At whatever level you are at. And be involved in making sure that the gospel continues to spread and reaches the end of the world. Our involvement will be different. But that's what God wills of all of us. Not some all of us. Because faithfulness to him is doing all is well. And I know, and I know we can do it. We can do it. We can be faithful to him. Why? Because he's faithful to us. Look at the text, the theme text for us, and we close. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. We are able to do this because God is faithful to us. But the Lord is faithful. Of Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3 to 5. But the Lord is faithful. This foundation truth that Brother Brian spoke about. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And look at what Paul is saying. And we have confidence in the Lord. Because you are in the Lord, we have confidence in the Lord about you. That you are doing and you will do the things commanded. Not some. You are doing and you will do. Because that's what is expected of people who are in the Lord. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. So the journey to faithfulness begins with a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. Because that's where we find the strength. That's where we find the encouragement to persevere. 
for he continues to intercede for us at the Father's right hand. But if you are not in the Lord, you can never have this faithfulness that God requires of us. Are you faithful in such a way that you've surrendered yourself to the will of God regardless of the cost you may encounter? Or are you faithful in the sense of King Saul because you've selected a few things and then you've become content? May God help us to be truly faithful. Amen. Pastor. great way to end our missions conference when we talk about faithfulness and a pretty great example I mean there's not a lot to be said other than first of all are we willing to let God search us out to find out if we're faithful are we willing or are we just going to kind of go he's not talking to me if he knew all that I was doing he'd know I was faithful How about we not say that? How about we say, Lord, would you just search us? Would you know? Would you let us know where there's places that maybe we're not as faithful as we should be? But then we can't just stop there, right? We have to have humility, the willingness to say, Lord, whatever your will is in my life, whatever it is, I want to be about it. I want to do what you called me to do. And I'm thankful for the point that he made. It's going to look differently for each one of us. And that's fine. But we have to have the humility to go, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And, you know, then the realization, by the way, that if God shows us areas that we are not being faithful, The realization to say, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and to go and be faithful, right? It's not enough to acknowledge we're not faithful. It's not enough to say I'm humble enough to be used by you. But we have to say, Lord, I need forgiveness, and then I'm going to go. And so as we sing this last song, I mean, maybe you just need to sit and pray. Uh, maybe you need to stand and sing. Uh, but but don't, don't ignore, don't miss the question, Lord, am I faithful? And Lord, show me where I need to be faithful if I'm not. So let's stand. Let's sing tonight. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh.
for your word we're humbled by your word we're encouraged by your word we do have confidence Lord God in you that you will give us all that we need enable us fill us with love grace tenderness courage all the things that we need to be faithful, you are to us and you have for us. And So, Lord, just give us what we need. And forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for where we have not been faithful, unfaithful. Forgive us, especially when we don't care. Please, Lord, give us hearts to care because we love you, because we're thankful, because you are our Savior, because you have given us life in Christ. Help us, Lord, care. And as we care, Lord God, then use us. Use us 
where you've planted us. Use us in ways we never imagined. Use us, Lord God, to do things that we personally couldn't do without you. Use us in a way that would bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Use us, Lord, for your honor. And I do pray, Lord Jesus, that you would bless us. Or should I say, continue to bless us. I am thankful for these men and women. I'm thankful for these children. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful, Lord God, for all that you have done. And pray, Lord God, you would continue to be faithful to do all that needs to be done. So as we leave tonight and finish this conference, thank you. We worship you and praise you and give you glory because you alone are worthy. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.